Welcome to episode seven of the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona. And I'm Olga. And as we shared in previous episodes, I was with my ex for 32 years, married for 30, and didn't find out about autism until our 29th year of marriage. Woo! That was a long time. And Olga. And I was in a relationship for almost a year um, with a person that I think is in the spectrum, yeah. but you know, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So as we've shared in previous podcasts, Olga and I have been friends for six years and it's all Olga's fault that I found out about uh, neurological differences and Asperger's. And I know most people don't use that term anymore, autism. Uh, And it was eye-opening and it's been a real education for me. And uh, our even though our marriage ended, I still feel like there's so much I can share and so much I've learned. And so Olga and I, being really good friends, decided we would share some of this on the podcast. So today we're going to talk a little bit about two topics. We're going to talk a little bit about travel with somebody on the spectrum. And we're going to talk a little bit about extended family and some of the pluses and challenges, some of the ups and downs in both of those areas. So I'm going to let Olga start again uh, for this episode, and she's going to share a little bit about her experience. Okay, so this topic also has to do with the special interests. Remember, in one of the first episodes, we were talking about the, the interests, and this the traveling, the looking for the adventure, exploring um, is very, was very, or is very important for my ex. So this was very exciting to plan anything that had to do with traveling anywhere. Uh, I went to where he was living uh, before we moved in together and we explored the area. He was just showing me, you know, everything that was there to see and it was very exciting. It was great. The food, the, you know, looking for a place to eat. And he was very open to, you know, eating anywhere. And in that way, I think that was part of what, that's part of what relaxes him. The, the adventure, the going out. And he likes sailing. He likes, you know, a lot of activities outdoor, like, swimming and and biking and a lot of other activities Mm -hmm. so traveling was was fun and within the very few months that we were together living together we actually went to Colombia a couple of times because it was around you know Christmas time and then my my father's um, 70th birthday so those were two special occasions. I always go home. The, to me, it's going home. Mm-hmm. To him, is going to his special interest place, which is Colombia, Medellin, and all of that. So sharing that with me was like, oh, my God, this is great. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to go to my favorite place in the world with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. To me, it was, I'm going to take my boyfriend to my family. Mm-hmm. So and that's why family comes into the into the topic but anyway let's talk about the traveling first um actually it was one of the 
good things about the relationship and how we share the 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 enjoyment of planning and and doing everything that needed to be done so that everything works um the buying the tickets of course if i could take some of the stress of the planning it would be better but i think it worked out i mean we could find the the balance it worked out he you know he did his part i did my part and that particular topic felt like we were a team like it it worked for us we were able to you know get to the airports park the car i have i have also a lot of experience Mm -hmm. you know with all the airports and the parking and the all that so that that made it very easy and of course going to my family's um home in in colombia also made it easier to not have to arrange a lot of things so it was great both times um the only there were a couple of stressors but i think it was more about the relationship with my family and being so new to why i go to them to medellin and why he goes to medellin so so kind of putting those two together was kind of difficult for for us to understand for me to understand how important it was for him to be there and for him to understand how important it was for me in a different way sure so again the communication the ability to to express what's going on and not to wait until the point where it's triggering reactions and anxiety where at that point it doesn't matter how you communicate it's 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 already been triggered yes exactly so i have to say that traveling would be a positive thing in our relationship great well i kind of had the opposite experience um I love traveling and my ex hadn't done a lot of traveling when we were first together. And so he kind of let me (laughs) make all the plans. And at first that was fine. Um, I made all the plans, bought all the, whenever we had to buy tickets. And remember when we were first together, it was the eighties, no internet. So you actually had to go to a travel agent or you had to call the airline and you had to get tickets sent to you and all this stuff. (laughs) So it was a much more involved process than it is now. Um, But there was no TSA. So you could get to the airport, you know, a half hour before your flight was going to leave and you can still get on your flight, which was good for us. And I'll tell you why. So um, my ex had a challenge uh, with leaving the house when we were traveling. So this might have been related to OCD. um, In addition to autism, um, I'm not sure. But what would happen was he would have to check everything in the house multiple times and then go back in and check it again and again and again. And so there are many times where... (laughs) We were, you know, supposed to be at the airport at a particular time, and we were so close to the time the plane was leaving that it caused tremendous stress for me because that's not how I operate. I am a planner. I'm also spontaneous, but I'm more of a planner when I'm traveling. And uh, him having to meet a certain time frame and be at the airport at a certain time was difficult. And so, um, as as 
time went on um, and we had our daughter and it, it became a joke really <laughs> because between my daughter and I, we would take a lot of trips together as a family. In fact, she was on her, her first plane when she was barely two months old because we were in California and we flew to Florida, but we traveled a lot. Um, and we would, her and I would sit in the car. We would look at the clock in the car and we would bet each other how long it would take oh for her father and my <laughs> ex to leave the house. And we'd only bet a dollar. But <laughs> um, but we would say, okay, is it going to be 10 minutes? Is it going to be 15 minutes? Is it going to be 20 minutes? And we'd bet. Who was usually right? She was usually right. She, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. That's she, interesting. I, well, as she got older, I think she knew her, her daddy or she was more realistic about her daddy than maybe I was. Maybe there was hopeful thinking on my part that we would get out, that he would get out sooner. But uh, he would check every light. He would check every uh, electrical outlet. He would check every appliance in the kitchen. I don't know what else he was checking, but it became really, really, really stressful for him to leave the house and for him to travel. And I remember those were long distance trips. And I remember when our daughter was young and I may have mentioned this in another podcast and I was working on my PhD at the time. So I needed time alone. Uh, and he would take our daughter out for the day and, uh, he, the preparation that he went through to be able to leave the house with her, it might take an hour for him to pack the diaper bag and to get her ready and to make sure he had everything. And that had to be so stressful for him the packing process checking everything once twice three times I don't know how many times he checked it and then leaving and wonder if he forgot something and the anxiety and the stress I could see it in him and it just stressed me out I think my daughter got used to it and it didn't really phase her she just you know she would sit in the back seat play her game boy or be on her phone or something so good for her she learned great coping skills so that was that was travel and it was pretty much every time we took a trip because i would put in a little buffer time i think we only missed a flight once maybe twice wow i know that was pretty good um but when we would travel by car who knows how long it would take for us to get on the road usually we'd say okay we'll be out of the house by 12 We'd be lucky if we'd be out of the house by one, maybe one thirty. So my daughter and I got into the habit of saying we would be leaving an hour before, before. and then we'd leave on time. So wow. it was little tricks we learned. So, but so. see, again, I'm going to say it again. Even even though you didn't know, uh, in in a lot of the things we talk about you know, the, like the audience may think, oh, but that's, you know, those are things that happen to anybody. And yes, those are things that happens, happen to anybody. But the way we deal with it in a relationship with a person that's um, autistic. autistic or in the spec on the spectrum is different. It's a lot more overwhelming and, mm -hmm. and it can trigger reactions that are, that you have to stop the flow of what you're doing to be able to to handle it and then help the other person because this is something i've been thinking about is like 
is not to fix it because we can't fix it. It's right. inside of their heads, inside of their brains, and inside of their uh, souls. Right. Um, it's more creating an environment that is helpful right. for them to deal with whatever is going on at that at that time, and feeling that they are still loved, right, and respected, and we are like holding that space for them to be able to be themselves. Absolutely. Um, but the problem is when we don't know that. Right. And it's it's just very challenging because you get as far as we would feel like, okay, this is as normal, um, a normal reaction I would have with something like that or the the level of tolerance or the level, not tolerance, but like the level of, strategies i would put in place uh for anybody right okay but this requires a little extra absolutely and that's when we need to know we really need to know it's not just to because at some point i felt bad because i felt like i was labeling it labeling him right and but it wasn't to me it wasn't about you know you are on the spectrum it was more about if you are on the spectrum, we need to know so that we can process things differently. And and like you did, you know, when you didn't know, I I knew a little more, but right. but I still struggled with, you know, he was not where I was, and right. I was trying to help him process everything that he needed to process. So, yeah, I think you're so. absolutely right, and and I think that's a great point because. If we know better, we do better. And if I had known at the beginning of the relationship that my ex was autistic, he had Asperger's, that's what we would have called it at the time, I would have been a different partner. I would have made sure that I understood his needs. We would have had, it may have been a short conversation, but we would have had a conversation about how I could have supported him in getting his needs met and how he could have supported me in getting my needs met. Um, and we would have known when one of us was triggered, how to react in a supportive, loving way, rather than me yelling and, and not taking it personal. Exactly. There's a, <laughs> a point where we take things personal. Absolutely. They take things personal or, or we take things personal and that hurts. Yes. And then once you're hurt, then there's no way back. There's always that memory right. of this horrible thing that happened that made me feel horrible about myself or the relationship or whatever it is. And it leaves a scar. Yes. Um, that sometimes is, is not a scar. It's a wound that never closes. That never heals. Yes. Yeah. And I think those triggers... Um, you carry with you unless you are able to heal them. And I think that's something that I've been working on for many years and it's still going to be a work in progress. When those triggers occur, I know that it's really, really important for me to step back, take care of myself and not get caught up in the pain that that experience created before and maybe just breathe or, you know, go outside and go for a walk or go somewhere where I can just read or call Olga. 
<laughs> oh, definitely. That's our favorite. Call each other and analyze it to you know, the, the, the smallest details. Yeah. Talk and it let, through for let's sure. Let's talk it through. Let's, let's talk about the feelings. Um, because sometimes the relationship or the other person in the relationship is not the right person to listen to what you're feeling. Right. And you need that friend that can hear anything that you have to say and you can vent. Right. And it's not necessarily what you're going to go back and tell your partner. Right. Um, so it that is that unconditional definitely. support. Yes. It's critical. Support it's critical. like in anything in life. Right. I mean, my, in my field with maternal infant child and child health, um, support is the t- the key to be successful with it, anything. So the the support for both the the neurotypical person and the atypical person both need support outside of the relationship yes. so that we can come in. I remember when I came to you and I said, okay, you have the time and the interest to read about this. <laughs> and that's why I'm telling you, because one, you're not going to judge me. Right. And two, you also are going to have the, the drive to to read anything. Right. And, and you to explore went, it. And in, in a matter of, what, two or three weeks, you had read like eight books. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. About I, everything I could find. And I started at the library. And thank God for the internet because I went crazy and looked for everything I could find. And there's not a lot out there. No. But I probably read most of what's out there and, sh- and, and gave Olga the cliff notes. For those yes. of you that know the like, cliff okay. notes, I gave her the summary so she didn't have to read it. I still send her articles. But I, I think... Everything that you're saying, not I think, I know, I agree with everything you're saying. And so understanding is really critical. And then being curious, because what I could have done, and this is probably lessons learned, what I could have done is said, how, is there anything I can do to help you so that if our flight is leaving at three, that we can be out of the house by 12, let's say, if the airport was an hour and away, hour away, and he might've said no. And then I would have given him on average, it was 20 minutes for him in the house. And we would have waited in the car for him. I just would have planned accordingly, but I did take things personal. I always took things personal. Because you didn't know better. I didn't know. And you now know I do. Better. Now I do. And I knew, I knew a little bit and I just remembered and, and something that was like, really, to me, it was kind of cute and funny at that point, but I don't know how for him it was. It, it would be so interesting to also hear the other side of the story. It'd be wonderful. Uh, but one day we were going to travel. We were we were getting ready to go, and he was very kind to say, "I'm gonna go and and take the garbage out." So he went, and it was kind of raining, starting to rain, a little bit. So he went out, and he got a little wet, and his shoes were wet. So I was finishing, um, you know, my my hair or something in the bathroom and the bathroom was right in front of the like across at the end of the hole that came from the door. So he came back from taking the garbage out and he was wet. And my apartment had like a little bit of space that was linoleum Mm -hmm. at the the entrance and then the carpet. Right. Okay. So he stands there. He looks at me like, okay, I I did what I needed to do with the garbage. And, and, and then I saw him and he was not moving. Mm -hmm. Like he was not coming in. Sure. And I, I looked at him and I was like, what is he doing there? Like he's not (laughs) moving. And then I realized that he was stuck. He was completely stuck because in his head, he was wet 
-huh. His shoes were dirty, dirty and, and wet, and he could not step on the carpet, carpet like that. So he didn't know what to do. Like, literally, he was looking at me like, like I don't know what to do. Like a deer in headlights. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I looked at him, and I, and I got it. I was right. like, oh, this is what's going on. So I said, well, how about you take your shoes off? And, I mean, I'm talking to a guy that's, you know. 40-something years old. <laughs> 40-something. <laughs> And he looked at me and said, thank you. So it's a very simple gesture. And I didn't, you know, I didn't interpret it. I did not, right. I didn't do any, I just helped him right. get out of, of where he was in his mind that was not allowing him to move. Right. Um, and I think that is the kind of thing that happens in the mind when they are at that moment where I have to go back and recheck. I have to go back mm -hmm. and recheck and make sure and right. double check and triple check and just keep on going on the checking. Right. It's that mind that gets into a cycle and breaking the cycle is very hard unless there's something that helps right. with breaking the cycle. Right. And sometimes we neurotypical people, we sometimes we can do it ourselves, but sometimes they need help. And right. we 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 need to be okay with that and be aware of okay, this is one of those moments and this is where I and after that we just went, you right. know, da, 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 everything just right. went fine in the in the trip. We needed to drive down to Orlando for to the airport and the, do the parking and he's always very helpful and always you know trying to okay what how can i help you how what else can i do yeah um and so is my ex i mean he was wonderful what i learned over time is what his strengths and skills were when we were on a trip if we had to pack the car oh my gosh it was a joke but it was so cute he could pack a car with enough luggage for an army because he could do tetris and it's a game that my daughter <laughs> and him knew well And we would both step away and we'd say, let daddy do Tetris. <laughs> and he would, I, I don't know how he did it. He could put all the luggage, you know, in the trunk of the car and make it all fit after Christmas, you know, with all these toys and presents and everything. And I knew he was going to do a great job and trusted him. And I think in some areas of our life, when we were traveling, um, he trusted me implicitly, but I don't know that I knew what he was doing in the house. <laughs> so I didn't trust him to get out in time. So that was a challenge. And flying, he was very calm. Um, I remember, and I'll never forget this. We, this was before our daughter was born and she's going to be 24 in two weeks. So it had to be close to 25 years ago. We were taking a puddle jumper. And those are the smaller planes that are like, you know, 12 seaters, uh, maybe yeah, yeah, 15, yeah, yeah. 20 seaters. Right. And I had never been on one of those. And uh, I forgot where we were even going. So uh, I said, have you been on one of these before? Because I don't like flying. And he said, oh, yeah, I've been on them a few times. And, and, and so I'm questioning him I'm like, when? And he told he lied to me. <laughs> he told me he had been on it when he had gone to live with his parents in New Jersey, his grandparents in New Jersey for a year. He said, oh, you know, when I was up in New Jersey, well, we got on the plane and it, it was a little scary for me. And he would always let me hold his hand and, you know, I would chew gum and he was just so calm on the plane. And then when we got off, I said, you know, that wasn't that bad or whatever. And I might have asked him again, when, when was it that you were on a puddle jumper? 
And he looked at me. He goes, I've never been alone before. <laughs> so- <laughs> hey, but he had to be the rock for you. Right yes. There. Yes. Uh, and, you know, cute. when when he saw that, that I was, was in crisis. Yeah. When he saw that I was in crisis, that's when he could pull out all the stops and respond. And that was definitely a strength that he had. See, but that's that's the thing. It, they can respond to the moment of emergency. Yes. Okay. But then after that, you have to allow sometimes for some time for decompressing. And yes. Some, you, you don't think about that. We don't. No. You know. I didn't at the time. No, because you just keep on going. Right. And wait a minute. You know, if we know we need to do this, we're gonna do, go through the whole emergency or the the urgency of doing things fast. And then at some point, let me. Let me know what you need to do to relax and calm down and, and not be in that gear of that I am the flight one or fright yes, mode. Exactly. Yeah, it's a gr- great point. And again, if you don't know that your partner is autistic and you are neurotypical, you don't need that. Uh, you know, I didn't need to calm down. I need, didn't need to decompress. I was ready to just you, march we just, on. <laughs> we just need to get there. Right, <laughs> I exactly. I just need to get to Colombia. I just need to get to, you know, wherever I, right. I'm going and, and get settled. And that's it. Right. That's enough for right. us to feel okay. But they, they have to decompress. Yes. They, they do have to. It's because critical. the more it accumulates, the more reactions it causes. And then the problem is that we start taking things personal and right. that's when we build up all that anger and resentment and that's that's not healthy. it's not healthy so i think for me the lesson learned number one is to get curious and to really understand uh, why something is being done rather than judging and getting impatient and getting angry because clearly his brain was wired very differently than mine. I didn't know that in the beginning of our relationship, it was a turn on, it was exciting. It was, you know, it was, it was a wonderful thing, but as the relationship moved forward, there were things that drove me bananas and I'm sure there were things that drove him bananas and he never talked about it. However, I would get angry. And so the lesson is curiosity, seek to understand, maybe we're not going to have with somebody that we're in a relationship with that's neurodiverse, a long conversation, because that can be overwhelming, but to be able to ask, how can I help? What do you need in this moment? Do you need time to decompress? Do you need time for yourself? Or how, how can we prepare together to get to the airport? an hour before, because you know, things are going to be slower. And, and to ask those questions and to have those conversations and to be curious and look to understand. And I, I wanted to say, uh, in, in the process of reading articles and all of this, um, I read about ADHD because that was one of the, mm-hmm. the main diagnoses that he had. And he believed, you know, the ADHD is definitely there. Uh, and in some of the things I read, ADHD is part of the spectrum. So there, there's a lot of um, traits and characteristics of the people with ADHD that are very similar or cross, they cross um, yes. to, the, to the spectrum. Right. So include that group of people 
in the people who need that space, that space where they need a special planning or a special time to decompress. Um, that to me was like the biggest lesson learned of, of all of this. Um, That's great. And it can be do, done with love and in a caring, very right. caring way. And respect. Yeah. And I think that those are critical critical feelings to have when you're having that conversation because if you don't come from a place of love kindness and respect it can become an emotional roller coaster which I think happened over and over again in my marriage and you can't turn back time even though Cher has a song that says if I could turn back time Um, but you can learn you can absolutely learn so we shared our lessons from our experiences with the two men that we had been involved with. And we look forward to sharing some more next week and hope that you all will tune in and uh, subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star rating. That would be awesome. And if you have any questions, you can always reach us on Instagram at neurodiverse underscore love, or you can email us at neurodiverse love for the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Mona. I'm Olga. We'll see you next week. Bye.